Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, Monday, September 26th, 2022, into the 27th, Tuesday. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com is the way to do it. You can also find us on Twitter at TST underscore underscore radio. 
and facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, will have everything you need or want to know about the show. It's a very simple website to navigate. Our archive is there, or you can search for The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or app and listen to the show for free seven days a week, seven nights a week. Of course, The Secret Teachings airs new Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. That's what you're tuning into right now after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. I'd like to thank you for coming over to The Secret Teachings from Ground Zero. I appreciate you sticking with us, especially if you've never heard the show before and you're thinking, let's see what this other show is about on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app, among other places. Tonight, I can tell you that although it might sound if you tune in or out of the show or listen to it in the background, it might sound like another COVID-19, another pandemic show. Maybe you'll hear things tonight that you agree with. Maybe you'll hear things tonight you don't agree with. If anything, this is a post-pandemic or a post-COVID-19 show. And it's not even really a COVID-19 show. It's actually more of a CO2 show than a COV-19 show. That's the idea I was playing around with over the weekend. Resetting CO19 to CO2, which is the subtitle for tonight's show. And, you know, I had this idea because this weekend we were supposed to witness, according to some people, the end of the world. I know Clyde just got done with his show tonight, and it's a little bit of what he discussed, the imagery of Armageddon all over the internet, all over entertainment. We really like the idea of the end of the world. And that made me think of, I did a few shows in early 2020 where I talked about how people were going to buy toilet paper, right? They're going to buy extra gas. They're going to buy extra food, things that were storable or they didn't need refrigeration necessarily. People were just going to buy supplies because, well, we didn't know what was happening or what was going to happen, at least initially the first few weeks. So people were trying to prepare And they were furthermore preparing for not going out in public. They were preparing for lockdowns even before lockdowns were a thing, even before the two weeks to prevent the spread. So we were preparing for what amounts to a movie or entertainment type scenario. And I did a couple of shows in early 2020 where I said, and then later on in that year and last year, it's, it's almost like a lot of people wanted to play Pandemic. People wanted to play uh, a movie. And at first, it was fun for some people. It's kind of like if you ever... I'm from Florida, so I grew up with there, with there a lot of hurricanes. And hurricane would come through, but you know, if you didn't live right on the water and you weren't directly in the path of it, it, I mean, a hurricane can actually be kind of fun. It's not fun for the people that lose their homes or the people that you know, are injured or families who lose relatives, loved ones, if there's a hurricane, but you know, they have, we have, we had hurricane parties in Florida. It's kind of fun. And I think a lot of people felt the same way about COVID-19. It was about kind of playing, as I said, pandemic. And over the weekend, nothing big happened on the 24th. As I told you, nothing would, would happen. It's just another ridiculous so-called prediction on the internet based on something a German diplomat said. But I was, Sunday night, listening, and I still think this is very funny, I was listening to old Art Bell radio on the Paranormal Radio app, and Art Bell was talking about in 1998, 
the show was 24 years old that I was listening to. He was talking about weather and how weather was really extreme in the Midwest. Weather had been extreme on the West Coast, the great American Southwest, of course, other places around the country and around the world. And if you remember anything about Art Bell, Art Bell was a believer or a proponent, if you will, of widespread climate changes. Perhaps he defined it differently than we do today, but he believed in that stuff. And in regard to perhaps human activity in part, and he was talking about how the weather was messed up. This was in 1998, though. Now, 24 years later, we hear the same thing on the nightly news. We hear the same thing on the morning news. We hear the same thing on our updated uh, weather forecast online. If we go to the weather channel or you know a local news station, that the weather is out of control. But again, the weather was out of control 24 years ago. And now today it's still out of control, but nothing really has has changed except the coverage of that weather in the same way that we never ever locked down or quarantined healthy people or forced people as a condition of a novel virus to get a vaccine as a condition of employment or, or commerce for that matter. We never did any of these things. It was new. And I think it made some people feel as if they were living in a movie. That's my opinion. I think a lot of people felt like they were living in a movie. So it's kind of like what Clyde was talking about earlier in regard to Armageddon. And it's, I think, his topic tonight is parallel to ours in a lot of ways because we played, we're not playing Armageddon, we're playing lockdown, we're playing pandemic. We're basically playing this Armageddon-like, end-of-the-world-like movie. That's what we're playing in. And it's like a big sandbox. And we can be whatever we want to be. We can save the world from climate change. We can save the world from a virus. We can save... It's like a video game. And we all feel like it's our responsibility. And that's the psychology of it, right? I mean, I've shown you. I've written in my books. I've sent you know the, the emails out to people who have asked me for the evidence of it. From the NIH and clinicaltrials.gov and Yale University to the AMA... You find these psychological, manipulative, coercive talking points that some some of which were developed before there was even a vaccine for COVID nineteen officially, even though Moderna had a contract with the NIH before the so called pandemic to create these vaccines. But that these these were talking points to convince people to get it before it was even a thing, and talking points how to go into the news, how to go onto radio shows, etc and how to use language and use the, 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 uh, the imagery of, of the pandemic to your benefit to convince people that they should get a vaccine or they should stay home or they should do this or they should do that. And it was all psychology. None of it was based on, we say it's science, but it's, it's, none of it was based on science. I mean, and that's the thing, really. It's like, what, what exactly is science? It's just a process, right? It's just a method. And I, I really think that to understand the transition that we are witnessing between the pandemic and CO2 is to understand subtleties. Like, we call SARS-CoV-2 COVID or COVID-19. And COVID-19 is just basically a beta test 
for our global response or what will become a global response to CO2. So again, I called tonight's show resetting CO19 or C019 to C02 or CO2. And here's the thing that's really kind of kind of um, disturbing. CO2 and COV19 are pretty much the same exact thing, if you think about it. The threat is the exact same thing. It's invisible. You don't see SARS-CoV-2 floating around. You don't see CO2 floating around. We're told that COV-19 is something that we can, we can transmit or we can be infected with. But if you look at the studies... Most of the studies are assuming or suggesting. A lot of the studies on mask transmission, like transmitting through a mask or without a mask, were based on computer models. They didn't even look at people who were infected with SARS-CoV-2. Some of the original studies, they never looked at anybody who actually was infected. They just said, well, if you sneeze, you can sneeze particles 20-something feet. But they never isolated a virus and certainly never proved that virus was able to make you sick with those very vague symptoms if you sneezed and that virus was in the droplets. So it was all about assumption. It was all about suggestion. It was all kind of like a magic trick. It was a sleight of hand. So when you look at CO2, it's very similar, right? It's invisible. You can't see CO2. We're told that it's there because we have monitoring stations. And they pick up CO2 levels. But what is the context to the CO2? How does that relate to temperature increases or temperature decreases? How how do you see the, the virus and how do you see carbon dioxide? You don't. People tell you that it's there. Tests, machines, computers tell us that it's there. It's invisible. So what is the solution to fight back against SARS-CoV-2? What's the solution to fight back against CO2? What is it? It's, it's an invisible thing. We have to have, well, it's sort of like the, uh, the king of England says, we need a war-like footing. That's the only way that we can fight back against this terrible, terrible climatic change that is occurring. Remember, the time Prince Charles, now King Charles. King Charles said at the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, climate change and biodiversity loss are no different. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent we have to put ourselves on what might be called a war-like footing. A war-like footing. That's how we responded to SARS-CoV-2 or COV-19 And if you play around with the letters and numbers there, you have CO2, COV19, SARS-CoV2, COV19, COV2, it's CO2. And we responded to COV19 or COV2 or SARS-CoV2 in the same way we we were planning or I guess are attempting or in the process of, of, of actually responding to CO2. It's a threat, it's invisible, and we need a warlike footing. You know, I've told the story about Beijing in 1952 so many times that you're probably sick of hearing about it. But their response to this 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 idea that uh, the Americans were dropping these infected insects 
all over the, the, the Chinese countryside and in some Chinese cities, the idea was to have a warlike, military-like response, a collectivized military warlike response to that biological attack, which turned out to not even be a real thing. We were not dropping infected insects. Now, the, I mean, the Japanese were experimenting with those kinds of things, but the U.S. never did that. And we know this in terms of Beijing in 1952 because Beijing later said it was all made up and they wasted, you know, all the, they wasted medical supplies. Uh, they wasted resources. Uh, they just dumped toxic chemicals everywhere. They destroyed the landscape. They cut things down. They burned things. They, it, it's very similar to our warlike response to COV-19 or SARS-CoV-2 or CO2. And here's kind of the, the idea. Again, you, your actions can hurt other people, right? Which, of course, we know that anyway. That's an innate thing. We know that our actions can have an effect on other people unless you're totally a psychopath and you have no empathy. Your actions can affect other people, obviously. But the idea is you breathing could harm other people. And the optimal word was always could. You know, it's not something that you can prove if you go to the store without a mask that you're actually making other people sick who aren't sick. They just test positive. They have no symptoms. But your actions can hurt others. That's the idea. So how do we deal with that? Well, we have to self-restrict. We have to self-censor. We have to make sure that our actions don't hurt others by restricting what we do and who we communicate with and how we communicate. So we changed in-person communication to digital communication, the Skype and the Zoom calls. We changed going to the store to having somebody bring us the food, having it delivered, or having it brought to our vehicle, somebody puts it in the back of our car. We responded with trackable, traceable systems and ideas of trackable, traceable methods so we can track people who aren't sick, who don't test positive, but who maybe came in contact with someone else who could have maybe perhaps been around someone else who might have had a cough. So we call that contact tracing, right? So CO2 is, is a very similar thing to COV-19, and we're going to respond to that in a very similar way. I don't know if you remember this. I played the clip a couple of months ago, but Michael Evans, president of the Alibaba Group USA, speaking in May of this year at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, said that we're going to have something that will be a carbon footprint tracker. He said, what does that mean? Quote, where they are traveling, how they are traveling, what are they eating, what they are consuming on the platform. So individual carbon footprint tracker. So we'll have trackers for carbon emissions in the same way that we have contact tracing for COVID transmissions, or we assume transmissions, potential transmissions, potential infections, things that, as far as I'm concerned, aren't actually happening. You're not transmitting vague symptoms to somebody else. In fact, you've been made more sick and more ill by removing yourself from social interaction. So what is the response to CO2? You just need to Stop breathing so much. Stop emitting so much carbon dioxide. Stop emitting those virus particles. You need to stop exhaling. So for COVID-19, we put a mask on our face. For COVID-19, we 
stop looking at people unless they have a mask on or they are standing behind some kind of plexiglass. We erected barriers to human communication, to just basic civil interaction. And the idea is we need to stop breathing so much. And I remember in 2020, on a number of shows, we discussed this idea that it's very similar to CO2. You need to stop breathing, stop driving, stop flying, stop having a business, stop having a family. All these things, you're emitting too much disgusting, poisonous, toxic gas, and it's killing people. So you got to stop that. It's killing the planet. It's got to stop that. You need to stop exhaling. And then COVID-19, you know, we put the mask on. It's very, it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. So what's another response? Well, we can, we can lock everybody down and prevent the emissions of these dangerous, dangerous gases like CO2. So in 2020, 2021, we supposedly saw a certain very small percentage decrease in CO2 emissions. The only problem with that is, and as I've documented this on the show, some of you might remember, as a result of reducing CO2 emissions and doing so so quickly and so drastically, it had a negative impact on the environment, not necessarily a positive impact. NASA, that's the NASA, you know, the one that was founded by the Nazi, that's the NASA noted that nitrogen oxides, or NOx, which reacts with sunlight and other atmospheric compounds to create ozone, they dropped in relation to the pandemic. But the downside to this is that by, quote, this is NASA, reducing NOx emissions as beneficial as that was at cleaning up air pollution, the pandemic also limited the atmosphere's ability to cleanse itself of another important greenhouse gas, methane. So the drop in NOx emissions with as with CO2, didn't decrease the concentration of methane in the atmosphere. Instead, methane actually grew. Methane is far worse than CO2, whatever you make of CO2. Methane actually grew by 0.3% in 2020 to 2021, the fastest rate uh, than at any other time in the last decade. Why? Well, NASA says because if you have less NOxes, there's less hydroxyl radical to scrub methane away, leaving it in the atmosphere longer. In other words, reducing CO2 emissions and NOx emissions actually allowed methane, which is worse than CO2, to grow in the atmosphere. And this is part of that context we're always missing. Is it really worth it to lock down? Is it really worth it to wear a mask? Is it really worth it to limit a child's in-school education? And we're seeing the response statistically and even physically to all of this over the last couple of years. We've seen illiteracy explode in countries that have implemented even harsher lockdowns. Some countries that are still in partial or basically a de facto lockdown. South American countries in particular that have a 30% increase in illiteracy, or rather you could say a, a decrease in literacy. We've seen business after business after business totally destroyed, unable to open its doors again, while big businesses could stay open. We've seen the vertical integration of massive amounts of wealth into the hands of some of the biggest corporations. And some of these big corporations are the same ones, whether it's through ESG or otherwise, 
that are working with the ideology, directly or indirectly, of the WEF, the Trilateral Commission, the United Nations, etc., telling the rest of the world, you're poor because of climate change, or there's an immigration or migrant crisis because of climate change. There's food shortages because of climate change. It's because of rich people that there are these problems. But those are the corporations that were responsible for shutting down competition, making the market more unfair, and vertically integrating and consuming all of that just massive amount of wealth. And now they're telling us we have to do it again for climate change. I don't know if you remember this, but article after article after article, and even studies from big governments, have told us that the only way to stop climate change from happening is to have more lockdowns. So, just like with COV-19 or SARS-CoV-2, I believe it was a beta test for what we are going to see and what we are starting to see is a global response to CO2. The threat is invisible. The solution is a warlike response, collectivized for the betterment of everybody, for the better good type of reaction. Your actions can hurt others. You are trackable. You need to stop exhaling. You need to stop breathing. Lockdowns are required. But here's the kicker. The wealthy can stop playing Armageddon. They don't have to play the game. If you're the governor of California, you can go to football games. You can have parties at the height of the pandemic, but you don't have to follow those restrictions because you're wealthy. The same thing with CO2. You can have a private jet. You can have a big yacht. You don't have to follow the restrictions if you're wealthy. And just like the war on terror, a word that can be defined in so many different ways, so many different associations. There's no end to a war on terror. There's no end to a war on drugs. And likewise, China had a zero tolerance policy for COVID, a zero COVID policy, remember? You don't even have to remember they're still following that policy today. Well, we also have a zero emission rate for COVID-19 and for CO2 across the world. Same exact thing. Our zero emission rate for CO2 by 2030, 2040, 2045, across most of the developing world, is no different than the zero transmission for COVID-19. Same exact thing. We're playing pandemic, we're playing Armageddon, and thinking it's all going to be okay in the end. We can leave the theater. But we're not in the theater, we're in the movie. I'm Ryan Gable, this is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere, stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrug to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this 
was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fall out back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So as I was saying earlier in the first segment tonight, I was listening to some old Art Bell from 1998. They were talking about Y2K. And he was also discussing how he believes that there are strange and unnormal, unnatural even, weather events that are taking place across the United States 24 years ago. And that the weather in the Midwest, the weather in the West Coast, American Southwest, etc., it was very strange. There were droughts, hurricanes, tornadoes, all these things that were happening. And 24 years later... We're being told the exact same thing. And that really intrigued me because when you think about the context, 24 years ago, we were hearing the same thing. And it's something that if you go to the Paranormal Radio app or if you listen to Art Bell, you might have heard or you could hear it if you haven't heard Art Bell in a long time, you don't remember it. He talked about stuff like that all the time. And these are things that we hear now in the mainstream media a lot. Weather, bad weather, weather events. And they start naming heat waves and they start naming these weather events and gives it more, more of, of an allure, more of, a, of an aura, more of, a, of an essence, of an energy, of a consciousness, if you will. But what we were being told by Art Bell 24 years ago, or what he was alluding to, is the same thing we're being told now, and nothing really has changed. In the same way that when you look at 
SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, and this is not a COVID-19 show tonight, but if you look at SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, what is it really? Except for a beta test for a global response to CO2. And COV-19 or CO-19 is being transitioned to CO2 or SARS-CoV-2. COV-2, CO-2 is being transitioned to CO2. The threat of a virus that you can't see and the threat of an invisible exhalant of a gas that you can't see. And the solution to both of these things is a war-like footing. Now, that war-like footing, I am referencing both history and I am referencing what King, or at the time, Prince Charles called it. He said, climate change and biodiversity loss are no different. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent we have to put ourselves on what might be called a war-like footing. He said that at the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum also said that COVID-19 does not pose a new existential threat. So try to grasp this idea. It's hard. It's hard for me to grasp it too. Seems too obvious. Here you have the now King of England and you have Klaus Schwab, both of these people, unelected, immensely wealthy, immensely powerful, with connections to Nazi cults. So these two people tell us during the so-called pandemic, in the midst of people supposedly dying every day, in the midst of people testing positive and having their livelihoods ruined, their businesses ruined, their relationships ruined, their families ruined, etc. Here is Prince Charles and Klaus Schwab telling us, look, COVID-19 doesn't really pose an existential threat. But what does pose an existential threat is climate change. Now, if you posted something like that on Twitter or Facebook, maybe not the second part, but the first part, and said COVID-19 does not pose an existential threat, you would be censored, you would have your account suspended, you would be blocked, you would be banned, you would be attacked, by either bots or trolls or sock puppets. But why is it that Prince Charles or King Charles, why is it that Klaus Schwab, two wealthy Nazi, I mean literally Nazis, wealthy Nazis who consider themselves to be royal based on their blood, to consider themselves to be of the divine right to rule because of their blood or because of their, their ideas make them more intelligent, than you telling us that COVID-19 was not an existential crisis. Think about that for a second. During the height of the pandemic throughout 2021, Klaus Schwab, King Charles, they kept pushing this idea. Now, again, I said, this is not a COVID-19 show. This is not a SARS-CoV-2 show. This is not a pandemic show. I just want you to think. What does that mean for those two people to say this does not pose an existential threat? What really poses the threat is climate change. That means that they were not concerned. They were not focused on anybody dying or being sick or losing their business or 
losing their friends or their family and not being able to go to work, etc. They were concerned with exploiting what might be an honest, natural development in the world. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a virus came out of a bat and somebody ate some soup and it spread to the rest of the world. Maybe that's what happened. I don't really care one way or another because that's not the point of tonight's show. What the point of tonight's show is, if we believe the official narrative, then why did we have two unelected royal Nazis who are extremely wealthy and extremely powerful telling us that it doesn't actually pose a threat? What poses the threat is climate change, and we need a warlike footing to respond to it. So think about this. SARS-CoV-2 or COVID 19 CO2, is a beta test for the global response to CO2, carbon dioxide. The threat is the same thing. It's invisible. You can't see it. The solution to fighting back is a warlike footing. Your actions can hurt other people. Don't go out to the grocery store. Don't go out to the ball game. Don't go out to the bar. In fact, in most places, you didn't even have the option. Don't even leave your house. Don't walk down the street. Some of these types of lockdowns and quarantines were not in Australia. They were in the United States. There were some cities that didn't want their residents walking down the street. It's hard to enforce it, but I know for a fact, just north of the United States, up in Canada, where they still have quarantines and lockdowns to a large extent, and they're supposed to end the travel restrictions by the end of this month. It might happen, it might not happen. But my friend lives up in Canada, and she said that they still have the, like Australia, the phone checking system. So if you're supposed to be in quarantine, you're supposed to be locked down, you're supposed to be quarantining because you are either sick or tested positive, they call your phone in the middle of the night, you have to respond to the messages or someone will just show up at your house. That's in Canada. Just right across the border. It's not in Australia. It's not in China. That's in Canada. Your actions can hurt other people. Your actions can harm other people. They can kill other people. You can't live like this. You have to stay in your home. You have to do this. You have to do that. This is what we were constantly told. This has become the new normal. And that's what's really scary is it becomes normal. And then not only do we stop questioning it, but younger people, as they get older, if these conditions stay the same, they'll never question it because it, it's just normal. That's just how you do things. Your actions can hurt others. You are also trackable. If you came into contact with somebody or if you were sick, contact tracing, right? Well, they want to do the same thing for carbon dioxide. In fact, this guy Michael Evans from the Alibaba Group USA spoke about this at the World Economic Forum in Davos. May 24th, 2022, he said, We are developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their whole carbon footprint. Thanks, Michael Evans. What does that mean? He asks. Where they are traveling, how they are traveling, what are they eating, what they are consuming on the platform. So individual, and I remember how he says this, so individual carbon footprint tracker. 
And he says, we haven't developed it yet, but it's coming. You know that there's an application. I did a show on this. In fact, I'll look up the exact date of the show and I'll tell it to you if you want to look it up in the archive. Uh, We talked about something called the Upside app and how the Upside app supposedly gives you these discounts on gas and food by giving you money back, right? It puts money in your pocket. However, in exchange for that little bit of money you get back, you have to share your information with the company that can then profit off of your data. And it says that in the privacy section of that application, or if you go to their website for the the Upside app. And at the time when we discussed this, and the show was June 9th, 2022, it's called Upside, Downside, Big Person is Watching. The World Government Summit and the World Economic Forum, uh, they were having their, uh, their little meeting, which is where this Michael Evans gave his talk and discussing the use of blockchain to create a new financial system where every transaction can be absolutely monitored and controlled. They were advocating for a social credit score. Part of that was the ESG, environmental, social, and governance, as part of their push for tracking your movements, food consumption, purchases of everyday items, alongside of what they wanted was a, a basically a new digital bill of human rights. So, you're already using things that are de facto carbon footprint trackers. But they tell you, like Michael Evans, they're coming. Not yet. They're coming. But they're already here. You're already using them. You've already been conditioned to accept them. It's normal now. In fact, it's so normal, you don't even know that it wasn't normal at some point. You never question it. And your kids will never question it. That's what's so scary about it. So, You can hurt others simply by existing, by obtaining food, being entertained. Basically, every human action and interaction is dangerous. So you need to be tracked and traced. You can do this with COVID-19 contact tracing, or you can do it with CO2 with carbon footprint trackers. You need to stop exhaling because your breath, your saliva, your snot, everything that comes out of your body, that could hurt other people. Most people don't ask how. They just see the studies. A sneeze can be projected 26 feet. But if you read the study, they tell you they never looked at people who were actually infected with SARS-CoV-2. They just assumed that the virus was in the droplets. So wear a mask to prevent the droplets from spreading, and most of those masks don't even do that. But the idea was you need to stop exhaling because you could breathe out dangerous particles that could make other people sick. CO2, same exact thing. Stop breathing, stop breathing, stop having a business because having those things is dangerous. You are exhaling, emitting way too much toxic gas. And then... How can we deal with CO2? Well, we were told during the lockdowns that were supposed to last two weeks that they worked so well with COVID-19. Where's the evidence of that? A lot of studies that supposedly prove that, but there are a lot of studies that disprove that, and yet those studies have been retracted 
They've been pulled. They've been critiqued. And we're not supposed to look at those studies because we're only supposed to look at one piece of science. Dr. Fauci and others, he is the science. So lockdowns worked well with COVID-19, we're told. So let's move to CO2. SARS-CoV-2, let's move to CO2. Just take the V away. Let's move to CO2. And what what do we get with CO2? We get, well, we need lockdowns. Now, I've told people this, and they've said, prove it. And I say, well, I don't, I don't know what you mean by prove it, but here's the New York Post, September 12, 2021, quoting, responding to a Nature Journal article. A recent journal piece from Nature notes, COVID-19 lockdowns have prepared people for personal carbon allowances, restrictions on your individual freedoms that were unthinkable only one year before have us more prepared to accept the tracking and limitations to achieve a safer climate. Well, that's all they're concerned with, right? A safer climate. Here's the Guardian. Equivalent of COVID emissions drop needed every two years. Study. Carbon dioxide emissions must fall by the equivalent of a global lockdown roughly every two years for the next decade for the world to keep within safe limits of global heating Research has shown. Research has not proven. Research has just shown. They say lockdowns around the world led to an unprecedented fall in emissions of about 7% in 2020, or about 2.6 billion tons of CO2, but reductions of between 1 billion and 2 billion tons are needed every year of the next decade to have a good chance of holding temperature rises to within 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2 degrees Celsius uh, of pre-industrial levels as required by the Paris Agreement. So there's a lot going on there. The Paris Agreement is an arbitrary thing put together by humans and multinational corporations, big oil included. The 1.5 Celsius is an arbitrary number that means virtually nothing. And when they say you have a good chance of holding temperature rises to within this arbitrary number based on an arbitrary agreement made by nations that don't include China, the biggest polluter. It's a good chance, though, we'll hold it here. Well, where is here? Here is totally made up. Here is totally fictitious. But we did reduce emissions 7% in 2020. NASA says the same thing. The only problem with reducing those emissions is we also reduced a lot of other things in the atmosphere, which didn't scrub the methane, which actually grew at the fastest rate that had been recorded in over a decade. Less nitrogen oxides less hydroxyl radical to scrub the methane away, left it in the atmosphere. So according to the United Nations, to reach a temperature reduction of 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century, it would be necessary to cut emissions 7.6% more every single year from 2020 to 2030. So 7.6%, then 7.6% again, but not 76 again from the starting point. It's 7.6% and then 7.6 again and then 7.6. So it's like 14, 15.2%. And then it just goes on and on and on. Now, keep in mind that the COVID-19 lockdowns resulted in an unsubstantial drop of 4 to 6%. So even at the numbers that, the, that NASA is quoting, 7%, even the numbers the Guardian in this lockdown article is quoting, the numbers that they say it needs to drop are actually lower. The Guardian says it dropped 7% during the lockdowns. 
But the UN says we need a 7.6% drop every year. So even lockdowns didn't meet the requirement that the UN set. So how does that make any sense? And according to NASA, it was somewhere around 6 to 7%. It's still below the percentage set by the United Nations. So how does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. So the international, this is, I mean, this is, this, this part is just absolutely stunning. And by the way, I have a section on this in my book, the, uh, the book, The Technological Elixir. The IAE says greater annual drops in emissions from electricity generation would be required to put the world on a path in line with warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius. This is where the show tonight is going to take a little bit of a turn. Greater annual drops in emissions from electricity generation would be required to put the world on a path in line with warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius. So let's figure out how this topsy-turvy, upside-down world works. We're supposed to reduce carbon emissions by 7.6% every year because we did that with the pandemic. But according to NASA, according to The Guardian, we actually didn't reduce carbon emissions by that much, and we actually increased methane emissions. And emissions, one way or another, even if we're not emitting it, carbon dioxide levels stayed the same in the atmosphere, as did methane levels. They stayed the same. I should reword that. We didn't emit more methane. Methane stayed the same in the atmosphere because we didn't have the NOxs, according to NASA. They said we didn't have the NOx. We had less hydroxyl radical, which didn't scrub the methane away, which left it in the atmosphere longer, which contributed to, quote unquote, global warming. So how is it that reducing carbon emissions led to more global warming? But then they tell us we need to reduce these carbon emissions to meet the goal of the U.N. But what we did with lockdowns for covid that we want to do with CO2 still won't meet the goal of the U.N. And then we need to further, according to the IPCC, International Panel on Climate Change, they say greater annual drops in emissions from electricity generation would be required to put the world on a path in line with warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius. How do we do that when places like California have told people, and they actually just did this the other day, they're, they're, they're moving to ban natural gas furnaces and water heaters. I don't know if you heard about that. Natural gas furnaces and water heaters, gas stoves, New York's on the same thing, in big buildings uh, in particular to start out. California wants everybody to switch to an electric car by 2035. They'd like them to switch immediately. But then as they've made the legal transition to basically outlawing all gas-powered cells, you'll still be able to get them for decades, but outlawing those gas-powered lawnmowers, uh, weed eaters, uh, hedge trimmers, uh, vehicles, etc. Then they see rolling blackouts because they don't have the electricity to charge those cars. So how is it that we need to reduce electricity generation to meet the IPCC goal, yet part of the way we reach that is by less carbon dioxide, which makes the environment and methane in particular heavier, more dense, and more warm, according to NASA, and if we want to switch to these green electric cars, we need more electricity. So they're telling us we need less electricity. 
and we need less carbon dioxide. But that actually makes what we're told is a problem worse. And it actually prevents us from being able to have a functioning society because we're going to be living in a third world country that either doesn't have power or we have rolling blackouts on a daily basis, like some countries have routinely. So does any of this make any sense to you? No, it doesn't make any sense to you. I can tell you that. I don't need to know what you think because it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. Forbes magazine also said the same thing in 2021. Report world needs equivalent of pandemic lockdown every two years to meet Paris carbon emission goals. But even those emission goals of Paris or of the U.N., are higher than what the so-called pandemic lockdowns led to. Which would mean we need even stricter lockdowns, right? Which will lead to even more methane in the atmosphere, right? And if we need less electricity usage, how are we going to get less electricity usage when we're switching to everything being electrical? It's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to be confusing. You're not supposed to get it. Because the whole idea is everything has to fail. Everything has to collapse. There can't be anything left. We have to reset the world. That's the whole idea. However, not only can your actions for COVID-19, just like CO2, affect others and hurt others, not only can you be contact traced with COVID-19 or carbon footprint tracked with CO2, not only do you need to stop exhaling because you could get someone sick, or because you could make the planet sick with CO2, and lockdowns need to be even stricter for CO2 than they were with SARS-CoV-2, but the wealthy don't have to play the game. They don't have to play pandemic. They don't have to play Armageddon. See, the wealthy can be on their boats. They can be on their yachts. They can be on their private jets. The wealthy can do whatever they want. They can have orgy parties. They can do whatever they want to do. Big, fancy, expensive dinners, Barack Obama's birthday party, big propane tank going into his big mansion. The wealthy can do whatever they want to do. Black, white, I don't care what the color of their skin is. They can do whatever they want to do. Now, this isn't me saying that I don't like wealthy people. This is me saying that people like Gavin Newsom, people like Barack Obama, they apparently cannot get sick. They can have birthday parties. They can go to sporting events with no masks, no social distancing. I would venture to guess that probably not even vaccines. So what does this all tell us? It tells us the wealthy don't have to play the game. They don't have to play Armageddon. You have to play Armageddon. You have to play Pandemic. And it's like a sandbox video game. It's like Roller Coaster Tycoon or it's like Grand Theft Auto. Go into the sandbox mode and you can do whatever you want to do. And that's what this is. It's like you can play pandemic and save the world from a virus. You can be just like Dustin Hoffman in that movie. You can be like Robert Neville from I Am Legend. And your identity becomes the mask, the lockdown. You are locked down. I am locked down. I am mask. I am legend. I can save the world from a virus. And then when the updated version of that game comes out, you get the expansion pack. It's CO2. I can save the world from people breathing, from people having kids, from people having businesses, from industrial society, from more wealth. I can save the world from all these terrible, horrible, evil things. Because just like we have to strive for zero transmission 
like in North Korea or China, which is impossible. You'll never have zero transmission. People will always test positive. That's the game. It never ends. It never, ever, ever ends. Just like zero transmission, we have zero emission. Sound familiar? They want zero emission rates by 2030 to 2050, somewhere around there. Zero emissions, no carbon dioxide emissions. Impossible. Simply breathing is exhaling CO2. So what does that tell you? Sure, it sounds familiar, but what does it mean? It means that you, as the carrier of the virus, you, as the carrier of the CO2, you are the threat. Not to the world, not to your fellow man or woman. You are a threat to the established power structure that, like all throughout human history, wants total and absolute control of the world. You play Armageddon, you play Pandemic, they play God. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Another hour. Stay with us. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images, it will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history in context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. 
This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the DavidKnightShow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Monday through Friday, you can catch The Secret Teachings Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. The most reliable way to listen is GroundZero.radio and or the Aftermath FM app. You can also search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or application. You can listen to the show. Please leave us a review. Let us know and let others know what you think of the show. A lot of people leave us one star and tell us terrible things about us because they don't they don't like that I'm quoting studies or they don't like that I'm reading about a symbol or something. So if you like the show, you enjoy what we talk about, please leave us a review. We have uh, almost exclusively good reviews, but leave us what you think we deserve. Four stars, five stars, whatever. I'd really appreciate it. You can also find the ad-free version of the show at www.thesecretteachings.info on the website. It's pretty simple. I don't really talk anybody through it very often, but if you go to the website, I'll talk you through it really quick. You want to subscribe. Basically, go to the site, click on subscribe, the tab at the top of the page. You'll see what your subscription gives you. Download and stream every show without the outside algorithmically placed advertisements. You'll get a website login and a private RSS feed. So you can listen on the site or you can use the RSS feed to listen on the app. So if you were listening with the free archive, you can just plug this RSS feed in and you get the ad-free archive. You get early access to the show. You get to download and stream every montage we make. And you get access to read and download all of my books, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged. A lot of people have been buying that book on the website separately, and I really appreciate that. I put so much time and effort and stress into that book. Liberty Shrugged, it's available at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you have any questions about that or anything else, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. That's how you can contact me directly. If I don't respond back right away, it's just because I have so much going on. I don't always have time to respond to really lengthy, big emails. But I do appreciate the time and effort you put into it. So give me some time. I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. So as I said, over the weekend, we didn't die. Everybody's alive. September 24th, nothing happened. Just like I told you, nothing would happen. But what I don't understand is when we have these weird internet predictions that something's going to happen on a certain date. I mean, it could be Christian fundamentalists. It could be Illuminati, conspiracy confirmed. Everything that's a pyramid is a secret society symbol of uh, Lucifer or something. No matter who it is, no matter who's promoting the the end of the world or this catastrophic uh, event that's going to happen on a certain day, it's always vague, never comes true. Nothing happens, but, you know, when the mainstream media gets a hold of these things, I mean, it could be the QAnon cult, or it could be um, 
you know, there are a lot of Christian predictions or Christian fundamentalist predictions of, of the end times. And sometimes you read like these articles online in the media, you know, it could be like, it's usually like the Huffington Post or something like that. And they, they're like, oh, this Christian pastor thinks the world's going to end. And he's he, so stupid. And why would you even have, have a religion? Why would you even be religious, be an atheist? And, you know, you read stuff like that, or, you know, the QAnon cult, and they've got secret symbols and hand signs. And it's, I mean, I get it. I get why they make fun of it, because those things to me, I kind of think it's funny that they're laughable. I don't buy those things. I don't believe those things. But why is it that a Christian pastor, why is it that some Illuminati confirmed individual makes these predictions and they get made fun of, but when major universities or economists or virologists or politicians make predictions of, let's say, how many people are going to die during a pandemic. We saw reports from the UK early in 2020 that millions of people were going to die. We saw predictions that tens or hundreds of millions could die all over the world because of SARS-CoV-2. Did that happen? No. But we just go right back to the people that made those predictions. We go right back to the same people and say, what's going to happen next? After they lied to us and or after they were hilariously wrong. Because they're official sources of information. They're the priests. We have to listen to what they say, even when they are disastrously wrong. Even when it's admitted, lockdowns didn't do anything to prevent the spread of a virus that has not been proven to cause people getting sick. We don't have time to go into the details tonight, but someone that you know might have died. Someone you know probably did die, but did they die of something else or did they die of COVID? Did they die with it or from it? That's, the, that's been the big question for years, right? Lockdowns, however, can be proven to have caused a lack of social, a lack of cultural, and a lack of cognitive and even physical development in children. Lockdowns caused an explosion of illiteracy, which has declined for the last three quarters of a century. Lockdowns have led to, according to mainstream news in the last couple of days, huge outbreaks of STDs. Lockdowns have destroyed businesses. Lockdowns have destroyed morale, faith in the system. They've destroyed people's general sense of well-being. They've destroyed people's soberness, if you will, and so much more. And yet, those are the same lockdowns that they're talking about in the Guardian newspaper. They're the same lockdowns they're talking about in the New York Post, in Forbes, about how we need to do the same thing for climate change. Get ready for climate change lockdowns. New York Post, September 12, 2021. Forbes, world needs equivalent of pandemic lockdown every two years to meet the Paris carbon emission goals. The Guardian, equivalent of COVID emissions drop needed every two years study. So if you're just joining us tonight, or if you've already heard the show for the first hour, some of this is a little bit of a recap, but we're going to go through this pretty quickly. Let's do this recap. 
COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. I think it's a beta test. Doesn't matter if you think or I think it's real or not real or it's kind of real or not kind of real. None of that matters. Every governmental response, minus a handful, is a collectivized war footing that acted as a beta test for a global response to CO2. And when you think about it, COVID-19, COVID-2, SARS-CoV-2, CO2, it's even in the name. Maybe that's coincidence. But CO2 is something that we don't see. We're told because of instruments and media, because of detection equipment, because of scientists who say they're studying it. We're told where the CO2 is, how much of it is in the atmosphere, etc. By the same people that make these outrageous predictions of how many people are going to die from the pandemic, the same people, the same institutions, same agencies are then telling us, well, CO2 is, is also really bad, and so we need to have the same lockdowns. I want you to think about that sincerely. If it hasn't registered with you yet, think about it. I'm still thinking about it as we're talking. I'm trying to wrap my head around this and think of how to explain it even better. It's invisible. You can't see it. Is SARS-CoV-2 invisible? Yeah. Oh, I've seen pictures. No, you saw computer-generated images of SARS-CoV-2. And the main one that's all over the internet, all over the CDC, I put that in my book, The Technological Elixir. It has a 70-something page chapter on what I call marked for the beast. That's the name of the chapter. And the end of the chapter is a picture of that SARS-CoV-2 particle, which the CDC even says is computer-generated. Now, they do see things under an electron microscope, but those things are yet to be confirmed, the very thing that is causing you to get sick. There's something there. Viruses are real. It's just how, we, how do you define virus? Bacteria is real. It's how do you find bacteria? That's the issue. It's that de- definition. You know, recession, pandemic, vaccine, virus. It's the changing of definitions. All that matters. Did you die with it or from it? All that matters. But what matters right now on the show tonight is understanding that SARS-CoV-2 is the same as CO2. The threat is invisible. And what is the solution to fighting back? It's like Prince Charles or King Charles said, we need a, quote, war-like footing. He said, climate change and biodiversity loss are no different than the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent we have to put ourselves on what might be called a warlike footing. He said that at the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow, Scotland. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum also said that COVID-19 does not present a new existential threat. So you have Prince, or now King Charles, unelected, Nazi ties, not even British, German, fake, false, counterfeit, messianic family. You have that Prince Charles, Vlad the Impaler Prince Charles, Transylvania Prince Charles, telling you as king, now, Prince then, that COVID-19 does not pose the same existential threat as climate change. 
You have Klaus Schwab telling you the same thing. COVID-19 does not present a new existential crisis. They told you that in the middle of the pandemic, where if you got online and posted something to Twitter or Facebook, you posted a, a study from, let's say, Nature or the New England Journal of Medicine or anything, even if you still do it, and it conflicts in any way, shape or form, no matter how prestigious the university, how prestigious the researchers you can get shadow banned, blocked, banned, or lose your account for even suggesting or the algorithm thinks you're suggesting that any aspect of the official narrative is incorrect, inaccurate, wrong, or could be something that could be another explanation for it. But Prince Charles can say, look, COVID-19, while people are supposedly dropping dead in the streets, it's not really an existential problem. The problem is climate change. Same with Klaus Schwab. The problem is actually climate change. It's not really COV2. It's CO2. That's priming you and prepping you for the transition. To be afraid and to be concerned and to respond to an invisible virus and to do the same thing with an invisible gas. So what do we do? We fight back. And how do we fight back? Well, we learn that our actions as humans can affect other people, right? I mean, we can hurt our neighbors, our friends, our family, our relationships. We can hurt a lot of people by breathing. So you need to stop exhaling. Cover your face. Don't exhale. That'll prevent CO2 from escaping. And we heard those stories. Masks and lockdowns, they prevented CO2 emissions. Although CO2 stayed the same in the atmosphere and because of the reduction of more CO2, it actually led to methane increasing, according to NASA, which made the problem of global warming worse. But they tell us we need more lockdowns to make that problem better, although the lockdowns made that problem itself admittedly worse. Does it make any sense? No, and it's not supposed to make any sense. If you think, well, this is just like sabotage, that's exactly what it is. It's sabotage. Multinational corporations, big governments, big brother, big person, big sister, I don't care what you want to call it, big trans person, big Zay, want to track you, want to trace you, right? That's what they do with COVID-19, track and trace. And we know, we know from Michael Evans, I mean, my God, this is, he said it with like joy in his voice. Michael Evans of Alibaba said at the World Economic Forum in Davos, we're developing through technology and ability for consumers to measure their whole carbon footprint. The whole thing. You measure the whole carbon footprint. And what does that mean? Well, where they are traveling, how they're traveling, what are they eating, what they are consuming on the platform. And then he says with this snarky tone, so individual carbon footprint tracker. And I've played the clips for you so many times, I don't, I don't want to bore you with it again, but that's what the guy says. Individual carbon footprint tracker. You know what one of those trackers is? He says they're not available yet. They're not ready yet. But you know, they, they, they actually are ready. They're available now. And you can hear advertisements for them on the radio. For things like the Upside app. Oh, you get a discount on your gas. You get money back on your gas and your food. Yeah, but they're also taking that information and they're seeing what you're buying and how much gas you're buying and how far you're traveling. And then all that information is collected as part of your carbon footprint tracker. Same exact thing. Contact tracing, carbon footprint tracing tracker. I read you the headlines. New York Post, Guardian, Forbes. 
what are they doing? They're promoting lockdowns. And this was last year. I'm just bringing this back to your attention this year, September 2022. But here's the thing. If you're wealthy, you don't have to play Armageddon. If you're wealthy, you don't have to play Pandemic. Did you notice that the Chinese and the North Korean zero transmission, zero COVID policy is precisely the same as the zero emissions for CO2 thing? Does that sound familiar to you? It should sound familiar. Actually, maybe it shouldn't sound familiar. It should sound like it's a carbon, no pun intended, copy, because that's what it is. It's just they're, they're, they're carbon copying the, the, the CO2, COV, or SARS-CoV-2, rather, They're carbon copying the COV2 to the CO2 narrative. It's 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 exactly the same thing. It's invisible. You can hurt other people with it. Lockdowns are needed. You got to stop exhaling, stop producing emissions and transmissions. And if you're wealthy, that doesn't apply. But otherwise, we need a zero transmission, a zero emission rate. I mean, it doesn't sound familiar. It's just a carbon copy. But you're not allowed to know about things like this. You're not allowed to know about the 2022 report in Studies in Applied Economics from Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise that found that lockdowns were not only ineffective at preventing death, but actually contributed to the same. The study, a literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns and COVID-19 mortality, concluded, check this out, concluded that the average lockdown in Europe or the U.S. reduced mortality by 0.2% compared with policies that were based on recommendations instead, which is statistically negligible. It also found that the shelter-in-place orders, or SIPOs, were ineffective, reducing mortality by only 2.9%, which, again, is statistically... Um, it's, it's statistically... Not, it's not, I should say it's not statistically viable. The closing of non-essential businesses had the greatest effect, they say, though, at 10.6% reduction in mortality. And that's even, you know, it's funny that they even say non-essential businesses. I mean, is Walmart essential? But a local tiny little store is not essential? How can you make those arbitrary determinations? But here's the context. And here's what the study says. Overall, our meta-analysis fails to confirm that lockdowns have had a large, significant effect on mortality rates. Studies examining the relationship between lockdown strictness find that the average lockdown in Europe and the United States only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% compared to a COVID-19 policy based solely on recommendations. See, that's in context with recommendations. It's statistically irrelevant. Studies looking at specific NPIs, lockdowns versus no lockdowns, face masks, closing non-essential businesses, border closures, school closures, etc. also find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID-19 mortality. So, That's what the study found, but, well, that didn't last very long because people started calling for the study to be pulled. Now, this scientific evidence is really incredible considering that Imperial College London predicted in 2020 that a suppression strategy based on a lockdown would reduce COVID-19 mortality by up to 98%. In reality, however, the reduction was between 0.2 and 2.9% and included dramatic and devastating social, cultural, economic, and psychological consequences that are much longer than the buzz term long COVID. The difference between that data and what was predicted is precisely, well, it was predicted. But the real data shows the opposite. 
facts and predictions are contrary. Just like the difference between those with and those from COVID. Dying with and dying from COVID. So they predicted a 98% reduction, but it actually was more like 0.2%. Yet we continue to go back to the same people that make these predictions. And once again, they're wrong. But when those predictions are shared on social media, we believe them and they don't get shadow banned. They don't get censored. They get promoted and put at the top of your news feeds. But they're wrong. COVID predictions are wrong. The CO2 predictions are wrong. Back in 1998, Art Bell was talking about climate change and how the weather was out of control. 24 years later, 2022, we're hearing the same thing. Nothing has changed. We're just told it keeps getting worse, but nothing is, I mean, nothing is changing. Miami should be underwater by now. The ice caps in some places should be totally melted. Nothing changes. It's a narrative. It's a story. Here's a story from Nature Magazine. This was published just two weeks ago. What scientists have learned from COVID lockdowns. They start off by referencing a study from a Brazilian doctor, Ricardo Savaris. You might have heard of this study. Lockdown measures, according to Ricardo Savaris and his study, his team of researchers comparing 87 locations around the world in pairs to see whether a lower rate of COVID-19 deaths correlated with greater time spent at home. They also used uh, cell phone data released by Google. In most cases, their paper and scientific reports concluded it didn't do anything. But according to Nature, this particular article, lockdown measures did what they were supposed to when they were enforced rigorously Enough to reduce people's social contact sharply. They shrank COVID-19 outbreaks. Several studies had demonstrated this. So several studies demonstrated that this is the case. Other studies demonstrated this wasn't the case. But see, you have to fit the narrative. You have to do and say exactly what the party tells you to do. So within a week, according to Nature, Scientific Reports added an editor's note to the paper from Ricardo Savaris out of Brazil. He was working, by the way, with the Federal University of Rio Grande, and uh, a number of other researchers. Nine months later, after that publication, the journal published two letters that laid out the paper's errors, and then a week after that, it retracted the work. Nature says in this particular article from September 8th, the retracted paper is not the only one to contend that lockdowns failed to save lives, but these analyses are out of step with the majority of studies. So if it's not in the majority, it's extremist. If it's not in the majority... And it's wrong. You can read all these studies, and what are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you assumptions, suggestions. We believe we it might be the case. I mean, the scarf lady tells you that she believes the vaccine works, but then in the next sentence tells you she knew the vaccine wouldn't actually work. I played you that clip before. So the article goes on. At the same time, it's clear that lockdowns had huge costs, and there is debate about the utility of any subsequent lockdown measures. School and university closure disrupted education. Closing businesses contributed to financial and social hardship, mental ill health, and economic downturns. Scientists have been studying the effects of lockdown during the pandemic in the hope that their findings could inform the response to future crises. Why do you need to study them? You don't need to study them. It's pretty clean, clear, and cut what happened. And when people like Dr. Ricardo Savares says, based on the study, based on analyzing, I mean, he, they, they didn't look at one or two. They looked at 87 locations around the world 
and they determined that lockdowns had no effect, just like the Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics report. No effect. In fact, they made things worse in some places. But then you get to the real heart and you figure out what this thing's all about. Nature magazine in this particular article from a few weeks ago praises communist China. The pre-vaccine period of the pandemic does show that countries that acted harshly and swiftly, the go hard, go fast approach often fared better than those who waited to implement lockdown policies. China's harsh lockdowns eliminated COVID-19 locally for a time. So that doesn't make any sense. China had these strict go hard, go fast lockdowns, but They only eliminated COVID-19 for a time. Then COVID-19 came back. So the lockdowns didn't work. See, none of this makes any sense. And again, it's not supposed to make any sense. This is basically an article from Nature Magazine, which is trashing any study, any report that dares to suggest lockdowns didn't work, while simultaneously acknowledging that lockdowns had consequences that were unaccounted for and basically It's been unquantified. We still don't even know the full effects of those lockdowns. Supply chain shortages, lack of education, illiteracy. I mean, just downright stupidity. And now, according to Fortune magazine, this was just published yesterday. STDs, drunk driving and quiet quitting. The pandemic's end is revealing an America that's acting out. They reference Joe Biden saying the pandemic is over and how we're moving toward a new normal. I want to tell you more about this report when we come back from break here in a few minutes. But it's the idea that in this article, that America is is having a negative reaction to the pandemic and that lockdowns and all these things have consequences. But, you know, America is, they say, acting out against these things and The idea is that we shouldn't be acting out against these things. These were good things that were meant to help us. See, they have to mitigate and they have to prevent the spread of resistance to these ideas because, again, COVID-19 and these subsequent mitigation techniques, first time we've ever done something like this for healthy people, have to become normal because they were a beta test for our response to CO2 which, like SARS-CoV-2, is invisible, and we have to have a warlike footing to fight it, and your actions can hurt other people, and you can be contact-traced and carbon footprint tracked, and you need to stop exhaling and wear a mask and not have kids, and lockdowns are needed, and only the wealthy can stop playing the game. Oh, and by the way, we also need zero COVID, zero transmission, and, coincidentally, we need a zero emission rate of CO2, a zero transmission, a zero emission. It's all the same thing. And you can feel good playing the game. You can feel like a legend. You can feel like a hero. You can feel like you're on top of the world. You're you're helping to save the world from a virus. You're helping to save the world from horrible things. But the thing is, we are the virus. We are the CO2. We are the carbon. That's what's disturbing about this. More secret teachings after this. Stay with us. listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. 
So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images, it will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. It's not just society and culture and civilization in general across the world that has been conditioned to accept inevitable lockdowns for climate change. According to an article from the end of last week into this weekend from Bloomberg and Business Insider, banks are revisiting COVID-19 lockdown plans as the looming energy crisis brings fears of winter blackouts. So banks might go back to COVID-19 procedure to deal with an energy crisis. And of course, they're going to blame the energy crisis and blackouts on climate change. Things are just too hot. The grid is just overwhelmed. So here's what they say. This is from Business Insider and a very similar, I think, identical article published in Bloomberg. 
Some London banks are revisiting their COVID-19 lockdown plans to cope with the looming energy crisis this winter. Banks in the city of London have been discussing how potential blackouts might affect their business operations during regular talks, according to the trade body UK Finance. Some are turning back to emergency plans made during the COVID-19 pandemic and considering measures such as using off-site locations, installing extra generators, or encouraging staff to work from home, according to that UK trade body. Lenders, building societies, and branch offers for international banks are all partaking in the talks. So these are just banks in London? No, these are banks in London. These are international banks. You understand that, I hope, that this isn't the case, but it seems to be that banks, just like we saw the Vatican putting all of their wealth into a singular central bank, the Vatican Bank, just as we are seeing huge, massive, consistent, sustained inflation across the world, just as we're seeing the effects of several years of lockdowns, supply chain issues, and the massive gobbling up of wealth and resources by the ultra-wealthy and ultra-powerful, who are then blamed for the inflation, blamed for the high cost of goods. And yet, although those businesses are not all greedy, you know, people can't, for some reason, explain or describe why those businesses weren't greedy before the pandemic. They just got greedy after the pandemic. Uh, With the billions and the trillions of dollars that were pumped into COVID-19 and all of those rescue packages and all of those all of those emergency funds that disappeared and went missing, hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars around the world. The banks are responding to blackouts, which you would think a bank of all places, with that, you know, the marble pillars and the very expensive flooring and everything's just, you know, very, very almost like royal when you walk into a lot of big banks. They can't keep their lights on. So is it because they can't keep their lights on or they're using the excuse of energy issues and potential blackouts to shut down their facilities so you can't access money? Just like COVID-19. I mean, we were told money is dangerous, money is dirty, it could spread the virus. So Banks are the same thing, and banks can't stay open because of blackouts, so they're just going to shut down. You won't have access to your money. And see, this whole idea of having money anyway, it's dangerous because you could get a virus from it. It's dangerous because you could get robbed. So we need to find a new system of of money, right? We've been led to believe this for a couple of decades now. The Vatican has called for a world currency, the undermining of Currency systems across the world has led to things like the digital systems, the cryptocurrency, which I know I know a lot of you listening are supporters of uh, Bitcoin. Personally, I don't trust it. And I actually believe it's my personal opinion. I believe that the idea of the great resetting of the financial system was just a precursor beta test for the great reset to get you to accept a digital currency. Andrew Rogan, Director of Operational Resilience at UK Finance, told Bloomberg that all firms of all sizes were paying close attention to the potential for blackouts. 
So banks can't keep their lights on? How? How is it that banks can't keep their lights on? That doesn't make any sense. Banks can't keep their lights on. It'll just be a convenient excuse to shut down your access to funds, to shut down your access to your money, to shut down access to commerce. Banks that want to implement lockdown plans over an energy crisis, which was created like the lockdowns by man. Putin didn't do that. Humans did that across the country, across the world. Not a singular individual. Not the invasion of Ukraine. Humans did that. That's what happened. So just like lockdowns, the energy crisis is going to be made worse by re-implementing the COVID policies for climate change. Although it's not really climate change directly, they tell us it's an energy crisis. What caused the energy crisis? A lot of things, but they're telling us the energy crisis is being brought on by war and by climate change, right? That's why there's migrants. That's why there's lack of food. That's why people are really angry. It's climate change. It's heat. That's what's causing it. And conveniently, we can't see it. We can't see the CO2, just like we couldn't see SARS-CoV-2. We need to do the same thing to respond to it. Shut down the banks. You could hurt others. Businesses could hurt people. If they're small businesses, got to shut those down. Contact tracing or carbon footprint tracking. Stop exhaling. Cover your mouth. But if you're wealthy and powerful, you can stop playing the game. See, this is a game. That's what it is. If the banks in London and other places, they said internationally, banks all over the world, they're, quote, paying close attention to what these banks in London do. That is considered the financial center one of the three great pillars, the three great obelisks, the three great horns in London. And the London banks are going to shut down because of potential blackouts from an energy crisis caused by man, an artificial energy crisis, because we're moving to green technology that we don't actually have. It's not only dangerous, it's also laughable. It's clearly intentional to condition you, to manipulate you, to coerce you into accepting something that you otherwise wouldn't accept. You will no longer have access to those financial institutions in the same way. Things will become digital, and you'll only be able to access them or credits rather than money. You'll be able to access your credits so long as you are a good citizen. So long as you believe what you are told to believe. So long as you post only what is acceptable and allowed to be posted. So long as you do what you're supposed to do when you leave your house. You don't go to the wrong businesses. You don't go and meet the wrong people. You shop where you're told to shop. You interact with who you're told to interact with. You consume what you're told to consume. You obey who you're told to obey. Banks are going to implement the COVID-19 lockdown plans again over the energy crisis. Of all things, you would think banks could keep their lights on, but apparently not. I don't think the strip clubs would have any problem keeping their lights on or the liquor stores would have any problem keeping their lights on. Those are essential businesses. 
liquor, and naked dancers. These are essential businesses, folks. So what does that mean? That means, and this was published just three days ago, September 23rd, into the news cycle for the week, into Friday, into the weekend. This is one of many open acknowledgments and declarations that we need to bring lockdowns back to deal with the energy crisis. And it's funny because in places like California, they're banning natural gas furnaces, they're banning water heaters, they're banning gas-powered vehicles, gas-powered lawnmowers, gas-powered weed eaters, gas-powered blowers, gas-powered lawn equipment, etc. Everything has to be electric. But you don't actually have the grid in place to deal with the electricity, so California gets rolling blackouts instead, like a third-world country that doesn't actually have enough resources in the right places or they're not utilizing their resources properly or the government just wants to turn your power off so they can control you like the mayor of Los Angeles said if you have parties or friends over or family if your girlfriend comes over to watch Netflix and spend the night guess what you don't have water or power peasant I will cut it off that man should be in Gitmo as far as I'm concerned but no he's free so California is dumping all of those Solar panels into a landfill. Did you know that? All that money they spent on those solar panels over the last couple of years didn't work. So they're dumping those and the natural resources into a landfill. This is the excessive waste of the Communist Party in China when they took over the country in the late 40s into the early 50s. Here, take a listen to this. This is Mark Mills, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He wrote a paper called The New Energy Economy. He's talking about electric cars, batteries, etc. Here's what he says. So how many batteries would be needed to store, say, not two months, but two days worth of the nation's electricity? The $5 billion Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada is currently the world's biggest battery manufacturing facility. So take a minute to, to, to process that. $5 billion gigafactory in Nevada, the world's biggest battery manufacturing facility. Its total annual production whole year could store three minutes worth of annual U.S. electricity demand. Three minutes, a whole year of production at the biggest battery manufacturing facility can hold three minutes worth of U.S. electricity for the year. Thus, in order to fabricate a quantity of batteries to store two days worth of U.S. electricity, demand would require 1,000 years of gigafactory production. Think about that for a second. If you want to take that three minutes of storage and expand it to a, a month, a year, or to use it consistently and sustainably... You're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of production in the world's biggest factory at the moment. He goes on to say, this is Mark Mills. Then there are the hydrocarbons and electricity needed to undertake all the mining activities and to fabricate the batteries themselves. I read you the IPCC report that said... We need to reduce our electricity consumption. How do we do that if we have to use electricity to charge our cars that overpower the grid 
when we're shutting down coal and natural gas and even nuclear in places like California with no backups, no support systems. We shut down the energy and then we push everything into needing more energy because it's green. We're just offsetting. We're exporting the so-called emissions and then we have blackouts. And as a result of blackouts, we blame Putin, we blame climate change, and we say we need more lockdowns again to deal with the energy crisis. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't care what you call it or call me. But to me, that sounds like it's prepared. That sounds like it's planned. You know, I mean, if, if somebody brings you a plate of food and it's, you know, it's a beautiful presentation it's got, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice meal. Whatever it is, think of it in your head. I can't even think of something off the top of my head. It's a nice meal. It's all prepared, all in sections, like a fancy restaurant. They didn't just dump the food on the plate. It's not like an Ethiopian restaurant where you get the bread and they just put like, you know, the, the spinach and the garbanzo beans and the lentils and, they, and then you pick it up and eat it. I mean, it's, it's, it might be pretty, but it's not like a fancy restaurant gourmet food. But you don't, if you get gourmet food, it's like even a roll of sushi, a fancy sushi roll. Somebody had to put that together. It was, it was planned and organized. They didn't just throw it on a plate. But we're looking at all this stuff like it was just thrown on a plate. Oops, it just it accident just coincidentally. Mark Mills continues. He says, in rough terms, it requires the energy equivalent. Mark Mills is the only one saying this. It requires the energy equivalent of about 100 barrels of oil to fabricate a quantity of batteries that can store a single barrel of oil equivalent energy. Think about that. A hundred barrels of oil to create the battery capacity that can store a single barrel of oil equivalent energy. So we are talking about, a lot of people call it the Great Reset, or they call it the New Economic Order of the Trilateral Commission. What it really is, is the great leap forward. The great leap forward was a collectivized, quote unquote, industrial movement in the early, well, mid mid to late 50s and 60s in China, where they took people that were farmers and put them in industry. They put people from industry into farming. They took women out of the homes and put them in hard labor. They took men from the hard labor. They put them in the homes. They jumbled society. Nobody's an expert. Everybody's collective. Everybody's equal. And then they had people that didn't know what they were doing, building machines, smelting materials. And it led to a lot of people dying from injuries because they didn't know what they were doing. There's little to no oversight because the oversight that is had is all manufactured. So the party looks really good. A lot of people died. A lot of resources were wasted. And the products they made were inferior. And to a large part, they remain so to this day coming out of China. That's the great leap forward. It's no different than the Great Reset or Build Back Better. It's the same exact thing. It's the same talking points. It's the Royal Institute of International Affairs. It's the Council on Foreign Relations. It's the Club of Rome. It's the Bilderberg Group. It's the Trilateral Commission. It's the World Economic Forum. It's the Bank of the World. It's the IMF. It's, it's the, the same multinational, big banking, monopolies, conglomerates, etc., And they're using different language now to convince you that you should do what they want you to do. They can make the world more equal and they can make the world a better place. And 
But if you haven't figured it out by now that it's a scam, you might never figure it out. It's a scam. It's not really that difficult to grasp. So when they tell you we need to switch to electric cars, and then even if you, you were like, well, maybe, okay, that's okay. Let's just let's switch to electric cars. Then, oops, we don't have the infrastructure because we shut down all the electricity generating plants, get rid of the coal and the natural gas, and even the nuclear, which personally I'm not a fan of, but they're shutting down those plants in California, already shut them down in some cases, or they're, Newsom's actually extending the, the usage of one of the nuclear plants because the power generation is so low and they're having so many blackouts and they're switching at the same time without the adequate replacement system to green energy, which just offsets and exports the carbon emissions to a third world country where they rip the materials out of the earth to create a battery with 100 barrels of oil equivalent, uh, a battery that can hold a single barrel of oil equivalent of energy. That's not sustainable. That's the, 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 the absolute opposite of sustainable. It's unsustainable. And, and once you look at it, it's pretty simple. You think, well, th- this will just collapse the whole world. The, every economy will collapse. Infrastructure will fall apart. Businesses will collapse. C- uh, cities will collapse. Everything will turn into this barbarous state. That's what the system wants. That's why they keep telling you, we're going to reset it all. We're going to build it back better. Well, how can you build it back at all unless there's nothing Standing, You have to tear it down first to build it back. And if you don't tear it down yet, you say, we're going to build that building back better. Well, that means you're probably going to tear it down. COVID-19 was the beta test for CO2, or SARS-CoV-2, COV-2, was the test for CO2, an invisible threat. Take a listen to this article out of Fortune. Not only did Joe Biden say the pandemic is over a week ago, but Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve chair whose hawkishness is rolling markets, said shortly afterward the economy is now moving toward a new normal. Still using that word, huh? If you grant that the pandemic is ending and that a new normal is here, what does that look like? Well, the early signs aren't very good, they say. This is fortune. The pandemic forced many Americans into constrained ways of working and socializing. Interactions generally became more limited outside of Zoom and occasional confrontations over mask policies. Americans now really are interacting more and holding back less, proving both Biden and Powell's words true, and the results aren't so pretty. From the remote work wars to crisis levels of automotive violence and the new STD infections to the well-documented sense of burnout inside and outside the workplace, the pandemic is pulling back to reveal an America rife with bad behavior coming apart at the seams. Like some businesses are really crappy and some businesses don't care about their employees, but a business cannot pay you more money. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. We don't have time to get into it now, but like a business can't pay you more money when they don't actually have the ability to pay you more money. Like maybe Target or McDonald's or something could be paying you more money. I, I don't know about, about those businesses, but like, some smaller businesses, they might not be paying you as much because they, they really can't necessarily afford it. How is the government forcing them to pay you more money going to fix the problem? How are government policies that create random amounts of or large sums of random amounts of money, like hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars, bailout packages and money to Ukraine, how does that make the situation better? We blame it. All oh, the businesses are greedy. That's why prices went up. Well, why weren't they always up? Why aren't the prices always going up? 
are they just greedy once in a while? Are they just coincidentally greedy when we send $100 billion to Ukraine? Are they coincidentally greedy when we set into motion an inflation act, which leads to more inflation, which makes the situation worse? The article says in the workplace, bosses and employees increasingly spar over what the place should be. CEOs, often from the boomer generation, tend to demand workers return to the office, if not straight back to pre-pandemic routines, then at least clocking in a few days a week. The hybrid approach draws complaints, too, with Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman calling it the hell of half measures and the worst of three options. Many workers led by the vocal Gen Z demand fully remote work in response countering that they are more productive at home without the office distractions and time-consuming commutes. excuse me. Middle managers, for their part, resent getting hit by the crossfire. Trying to be heard over the fray are public health officials worried about the possible emergence of new dangerous COVID variants. Meanwhile, headline-grabbing clashes between corporate bosses and union organizers, including the Amazon and Starbucks, enhance the sense of confrontation. In some cases, unions are helping to fight return to office mandates, and Americans increasingly view them in a favorable light. Yeah, you see... We don't want to go out. We don't want to work. We don't want to socialize. We'll just do it all at home. We won't see anybody. We won't talk to anybody. And then that's slowly transitioned into an issue over CO2. So they get you to do it by promising you it won't take long. Then it takes a long time and becomes normal. You get used to it. Then you realize, oh, free money from the government. Free money from the government. I can stay home all day. That's really cool. I want to stay home and get paid to do nothing. That's great. And yes, yeah, some businesses, it's great. You can work from home. That's fantastic. But some, some you can't. Or some, it's probably not a good idea. Personally, I wouldn't want people that were working for me working remotely. If I owned a business like this, that you, I needed somebody to be there in person. I don't want that. I want someone in person. I want to talk to them. I don't want a stupid Zoom call. I don't want some stupid application or some number I got to plug in to get into the conversation. I want to see someone's face. That's me. Call it old school. Call it whatever you want to call it. But here's the thing. They gave people the money for the bailouts, right? We'll bail you out of not having a job. And then you got used to that. And then you were coerced into staying at home and not having to do anything and not having to go anywhere. And hey, it's just nice to stay home and nice to get paid. And then that's transitioned into, you're actually going to need to do this forever because we're going to need to do this at least annually, a couple times a uh, a couple times, well, at least at least 10 times a decade, at least once a year, maybe a couple times a year to curb the CO2 emissions. And, and, and remember, it's all invisible. You can't see the SARS-CoV-2. You can't see the CO2. What's the solution? A warlike footing, King Charles says. An unelected, so-called royal, fake counterfeit king of the messianic lineage, but he's not who tells you that you need to have less wealth, less resources, etc., while he sucks your blood like a vampire. Well, you know, he actually is supposedly descended from Vlad the Impaler. And you're told your actions can hurt others. That's the trauma. That's the Stockholm Syndrome. That's the mind control. And to save yourself and to save others, you need to be contact traced for the virus. You need to be carbon footprint tracked for CO2. You need to stop exhaling, wear a mask, stop having kids, don't go out in public and breathe too much. We need more lockdowns. Banks now have to lock down. We're being told in London banks are going to lock down because they just don't have the capacity due to the energy crisis to function. Really, I don't buy that. 
Only the wealthy, though, can stop playing the game. Only the wealthy don't have to play Armageddon. Only the wealthy don't have to play Pandemic. You think it's fun to play Pandemic and Armageddon for a little bit. And then when you get tired of it, they say, well, you can just stay home for a long time and we'll just pay you to stay home. To undermine and to destroy infrastructure, undermine and destroy production. And then things get out of control. There aren't enough resources in circulation. There aren't enough products in circulation. So prices go up and you're like, wait a minute, I can't afford anything. What's happening? Hey, it's Putin's fault. It's not the shutdown of businesses. It's not the shutdown of production for one case. It's not the shutdown of food plants or the fires or the planes hitting them in Georgia and Idaho. It's not the explosions. It's not potato chips. It's not oil and vinegar and honey. It's not fruit. It's not meat. I mean, JBS got hit with one of those random attacks. They're the same company that got hit with the cyber attack, right? When Klaus Schwab was telling you that a major cyber attack is coming. Like, do we still think this stuff's coincidence? And just like North Korea and China, zero COVID policy, zero transmission. It's the same thing as CO2. We need a zero emission rate, a net zero CO2 rate. Does that not sound familiar? Sounds pretty familiar to me. Not only does it sound pretty familiar, it's the same thing. It's just called something different. It's not SARS-CoV-2. It's CO2. And SARS-CoV-2 was a beta test for what is slowly, incrementally creeping along. Are you ready for climate lockdowns? The New York Post asks last year. The world needs these lockdowns, according to Forbes and The Guardian. Oh, by the way, according to Vox, did you know this? This was last year. I was looking for these articles. I found this one. IBM is working with Germany to produce digital versions of its paper vaccine certificates. I mean, does anybody see the hilarity in that? IBM, which made certificates and punch cards for so-called concentration camps, whose AI Watson is named after a eugenicist, is working with modern Germany where you can't question the Holocaust narrative or even have a, a ruin or you go to jail, that IBM is working with that Germany to produce digital versions of its paper vaccine certificates. <laughs> is it clear yet what happened, what is continuing to happen, and what will happen next? This isn't about fear and panic. This is about being informed understanding the history and the context. So when they tell you just two weeks of climate lockdown, you say, I'm not participating. I'm not doing that. And hopefully, if there's any hope in the electoral process, we elect people that will not abide by those policies, period. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast the Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. GroundZero.radio, Aftermath FM. You can also listen on TalkStream Live and the Paranormal Radio app. Search for us on any radio or podcast player. Please leave us a review on any of those players. Let us and others know what you think of the show. I really appreciate the reviews because they help a lot. Otherwise, grab a copy of one of my books at thesecretteachings.info, Occult Arcana. I mentioned the Technological Elixir tonight or Food Philosophy 
It's another book. Liberty Shrugged is my new book, all on the website. Email us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. And as always, the music tonight, White Bat Audio. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, as always. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Mm-hmm.